Be careful what you wear because it reveals to others what you think of yourself. Watch for burnout. You cannot fill a cup from an empty pitcher. Both of those are comments and insights shared from two executive image consultants who are interviewed on today's podcast. Today is part three of a series on executive presence, and you guessed it, our topic is style, appearance, and looking the part of an executive. So these image consultants, it's Mark Fonseca and Anna Hopkins, and they are both going to share insights around some areas that we measure in the executive presence index tool that we offer to senior leaders. And the whole idea is to help you as a senior leader or a someone who wants to be a senior leader, take the mystery out of what it takes to engage, align, ignite performance. And so image is a piece of that. Are you seen as a leader who can command the room? Are you seen as the leader? Can you influence? So whether you're currently an executive in the C-suite or you want to move into the executive suite, you're not going to want to miss this episode. They're going to share insider secrets, things that they do to help their clients. If you've ever wondered what it's like to work with an image consultant, they talk a little bit about their process. And if you're thinking, hey, why does appearance matter? I'm an expert in my field. Well, they're going to talk a little bit about that and might give you some insights, something you haven't thought about before. For. They're going to give tips and actions that you can take away and begin immediately. There's some links to books and a video that would be helpful. We've got a male perspective and a female perspective. So I'm excited to bring this to you. That is our mission here at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast is to give you tools and resources so that you can bring the best of who you are to everything you do. And then you can in turn When you're doing that, help others bring the best of who they are to what they do. So I'm excited about this episode and I can't wait to get it to you. Let's get started. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there. Welcome to episode number 40. I'm Susie Price. I'm a professional facilitator, consultant, and author, and I'm the producer of this podcast and the owner of Priceless Professional Development. We're now in our 14th year. Here at Priceless Professional Development, we help senior leaders hire and promote the right people, and we also help you develop an energized, committed, drama-free workforce. If you'd like to get in touch with me, Best way, you can find my phone number and contact information and email address at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie, S-U-Z-I-E. I am excited to be back with you to be talking to you about how to improve how well you align, inspire, engage people so that they take action. The more senior you go in your role as a leader, the more it is your role to influence. And so that's what we're talking about today, and especially in this series on executive presence, because this is a skill set and it is made up of areas that you can build and uh, define and create, and you can learn exactly 
what you need to do and how you need to communicate by better understanding how others see you. And that's the whole idea with the Executive Presence Index tool that we are using here in our business these days with senior leaders. But our focus is always in on helping you find the strengths things that you're not aware of. That's things that I have learned through taking this tool for myself. There's some strengths that I didn't even know I had. And there are also some gaps that I was aware of and some new ones that I want to cover. And so that's what we want to help you do. We have covered in episode 38 was the start of talking about executive presence where I interviewed an expert, Scott Weigert, and that can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash executive presence, all one word, lowercase. In episode 39, which is the second in this series, we talked about, or actually I talked about what is measured actually in our tool around this area of style and execution. And mostly we talked about execution. So pricelessprofessional.com slash execution, and you can find the show notes for that episode. And today, the third in this series, the show notes can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style. Now, the definition of executive presence, it is the qualities of a leader as seen through the eyes of others that engage, inspire, align, and move people to act. So as seen through the eyes of others. So how are other people seeing you? We don't always know what that is and how we're being perceived. We think we're intending one particular reaction and we might be getting something totally different. So that's the power of this tool. There are three dimensions, style, which is what we're talking about today. Then there is, and that's how you execute. There is substance, that's your credibility, and character, your level of trust. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about substance and character. So there are 90 items that are measured in this index. And just one part of it is appearance. And out of those 90 items are six items that are relating to looking and acting like an able executive, knowing how to adapt your dress and demeanor to situations and handling social situations with tact. So that's a part of executive presence. And we're asking people to give you feedback on those areas. And so as I talk to these image consultants, executive image consultants, I ask them, and you'll hear me ask them, which one of these six items in this survey do you see leaders struggling with the most? They'll be in the show notes and you'll be able to read them and you'll probably want to reference them when we're in the interview and I ask them about these items. But I'm going to read these items to you right now just so you know what's measured and what we're talking about in the interview. And what I want you to think about is how would you rate yourself and how do you think those around you would rate you? It's just a guess and it's a, it, you're just you're not sure. But on a scale of one to five, five meaning, yes, I strongly agree. And one would be strongly disagree. So here are the six items around appearance from the index. One, looks healthy, alert, expresses him or herself with vigor. Two, voice, tone, and mannerisms are always appropriate to the situation. Three, does not show up looking fatigued, poorly dressed, or unprepared. Four, level appropriate in his or her overall appearance and style. Five, whether the setting is formal or informal, he or she always seems to look the role. And six, aware that his or her dress and demeanor send a message and set expectations. 
So we talk about four of those in this podcast, but how would you rate in those areas? Do you look healthy and alert? How are your voice and tone and mannerisms? Do you show up dressed, prepared? Are you level appropriate? Do you look the role? Are you even aware that your how you dress sends a message and sets expectations? You're going to hear more about that today. So let's go to the first interview, and we're going to interview Mark Fonseca first. And if you look at our show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style, you'll see where we've timed everything. So if there are places in the interview or things you're particularly interested in learning more about, go look at the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style, and you'll be able to pick the sections that you want to want to look at and hear, even though Mark is talking about the men that he works with, because that's primarily his focus. I do think that everybody could benefit from the things that he's sharing, but look through the show notes and you decide. Uh, Let me read you a little bit about Mark Fonseca's bio. His business is Fonseca Clothiers and his theme is dressing the man. And he is the president of Fonseca Clothiers and is an executive image consultant and professional clothier. He does this for leading executives and entrepreneurs. He's been a wardrobe consultant to CNN Turner Broadcasting. He talks a little bit about that during our interview today. He conducts seminars for Fortune 500 companies, and he's worked with world-renowned author Alan Flusser, who wrote a book called Dressing the Man. And that actually is something he talks about in here and the link to that book. It sounds very interesting. Some of his clients are from places like ESPN, uh, Georgia State University, Merrill Lynch, Northwestern, SunTrust Bank, UPS, Turner Broadcasting. So we've got his contact information at the end of the interview, and we also have it in the show notes. So Mark is the executive consultant who said, be careful what you wear because it reveals to others what you think of yourself. He's inspiring. He's positive. He's got lots of energy. And if you're not excited about clothing and how it can make you look and feel your best, you will be after you listen to this interview. Let's go there now. Welcome, Mark Fonseca. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Susie. Glad to be here. So glad for you to come and share your expertise on image consulting for executives. And what we want to do is start with a get to know you question. So I'd love for you to share how you got into becoming an executive image consultant and professional speaker. Talk a little bit about that so we can get to know you. Well, I've always had uh, a penchant for image and um, what you wear. And I guess it started when I read John Malloy's book, Dress for Success, that helped me to really understand that you can send a message uh, with the colors and what you're wearing. When I started my career selling copiers for linear business products, my first sales manager, I'm dating myself, but he said, I want you to go to Kuppenheimer and buy two suits. The first suit I want you to buy is navy, and the second suit I want you to buy is gray. And he explained why. He said, navy is a dark color. It sends a great first impression. Navy is a very powerful color. And you always want to wear that to your first meeting. Then he said, the second one is gray. Gray is a great second meeting color. And gray is something you can wear at 7 in the morning all the way to 7 at night and still look great. 
And once he explained that to me, he's the one who introduced me to the book, uh, Dress for Success. And I started to read that uh, and understand how powerful your nonverbal communication is. And that launched you into researching it more and becoming an expert in this? Yeah, that launched me into, I've always, and I've always wanted to be in the clothing business. So I was actually in the, a different kind of appearance business. I had a high line detail shop and automotive appearance business where I um, happened to be the official detailer for the Rolls Royce Owners Club here in the Southeast in Atlanta. And I, but I always wanted to be in the clothing business, but I didn't want to work nine to nine and work in the mall or work someplace like that. It wasn't conducive to raising a family. Yeah. So I kind of squirreled it away and uh, just always pined for a day that one day I'd you know I'd be in that business. Well, I was delivering a car to one of my clients, and I walked in to deliver his keys, and he was on the phone with his headset on, and there was a gentleman in his office measuring him with a tape measure. And I sat there watching this, and I was fascinated by what this guy was doing. And so when he left, I said, Tom, who was that? And he said, that's my clothier. And I said, well, tell me about what he does. He said, he comes here, tells me suggestions on what to wear, why to wear it, you know, helps me with my attire and my professional image. And I immediately said, that's exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I ended up selling my detailing company to uh, a buddy of mine that still has it today. Uh. And I went and called this company and told them I wanted to come to work for them. And I did went to work for them in October of 1993 is when I started in the clothing business. How cool is that? I love that. Um, I always tell folks who are wanting to make a career change to continually be on the lookout. What interests you? What gets you excited? And sometimes it comes in the form of a, you know, a person doing a role. And sometimes it's just little snippets. But for you, it was you saw that you knew, okay, that is that's what I want to do. It's awesome. And you took yeah, action on it, which is I did. even better. <laughs> a I lot knew, of people don't take action. Yeah, I immediately yeah. knew that that's what I want to do when I saw him. And I've always had a penchant just for dealing with guys in general uh, and helping them in building relationships. And it was really a way to put things together. And I've met some very interesting and some fantastic guys in my career. Yeah, when we first talked, you said, uh, I could probably write a book, Confessions of a CEO, because mm. of yep. all of the interesting relationships and, you know, the the challenge the executives that you've met and know have have around what to pick and why to pick it, how to dress. Yeah, so many stories of guys that, you know, it's all about most guys live in the world of, or a lot of people live in the world of DKDK. You don't know what you don't know. And Brian Tracy says, people that don't know what they don't know don't grow. <laughs> yeah. And it's not good or bad. It's just that most guys historically have been dressed by women. So when you're growing up, typically your mother takes you shopping and buys your clothes. As you get older, you get a girlfriend. She takes you shopping. Then you get married and your wife buys your clothes. So most men don't understand that there are rules in the business world. And there are certain times you should wear certain things and certain times that you shouldn't. So just like anything else, a lot of guys have they have their they have their relationships they have their car guy they have their you know financial guy they have all these guys in their life but not a lot of guys have a clothing guy no. and they 
or clothing person. There are a lot of you know excellent women that do uh, image consulting as well. But when it comes to dressing men, you know I call them the blue jeans of the business world. So there are certain things depending on what your profession is that you should wear, uh, and then also to dressing for your audience. Who are my clients? What message do I want to send? And what did you call it? The what? The blue jeans of the business world. Okay. Yeah. There's a basic wardrobe that every man should have. There are the foundations of your wardrobe that you should have in your closet. And you've got to have, just like you when you build a, a house on a solid foundation, you've got to start with a great foundational wardrobe, and then yeah. you can build from there. But the foundation so has relate. to be strong. I so relate to what you said about the being historically dressed by women. And I told you this story, but my husband was early 20 years ago. We've been married 20 years now. But when we first married, or actually we weren't even married then, um, he was moving up in his role as an executive. And one of his mentors had said to him, do not let your girlfriend pick out your clothes. And then, which was funny, we both laughed. I thought it was hilarious. Um, It's like, well, I have good taste, I think. But to your verbiage, we don't know what we don't know. And uh, that his mentor was trying to give him some guidance and actually gave him a gift certificate to go to Brooks Brothers and buy high-quality suits because my husband mm-hmm. had money, but he didn't like to spend it on clothing because he just didn't see that as practical. Um, but this gentleman was tr- trying to show him and let him see that if you're if you're going to continue to go on the trajectory your your career path is taking, you're going to need to know these things. Right. So that seems like what you do in spades. Yeah, I had a quick story. One of the stories that would go in my book would be a gentleman that retained me to help him rebuild his wardrobe. Very successful entrepreneur, single, lived in downtown in a, in a nice high rise. And when I walked in to meet him, we met for a little bit and we talked. And then I said, okay, let's go take a look at your closet. We walked in and he had three distinctively different wardrobes. I mean, there was a there was a Brooks Brothers, very conservative area. There was a very uh, fashion-forward Italian area. And then he had kind of a middle-of-the-road, uh, you, know, you know, vineyard and vines, very preppy uh, uh-huh. area in his closet. And I said, what on earth? Why do you have such, you know, three, <laughs> three distinctively different... There's three different people living in this closet. Right? And he said... Um, said, those are my last three girlfriends. Oh, how funny. Yeah. So depending on the women he dated, they dictated what they wanted to see him in rather than what he needed to wear (laughs) for him, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of guys might not know what they want, but they know what they don't like. And sometimes knowing what you don't like is is just as important as knowing what you do like. Yep. So... We're going to go into some specific questions that we have planned, but I wanted to back up and you talked about talking about how important or powerful nonverbal communication is. So Mm -hmm. I know there's some people listening now who are thinking, oh, I'm really smart. I am the top whatever in my business. It probably doesn't matter. Talk a little bit about how powerful nonverbal communication is. What would you say about that? Yeah, it's extremely important. One of the first questions that I ask a new client, and I usually ask them this 24 to 48 hours before we get together, so they have time to really think about it. And the question is, if you were to walk into a room of your peers, into a conference room of your peers, uh, same income level, 
same social status, same level of education. When you walk in, what message do you want to send? What do you want them to think about you? Whatever that message is, because they're going to judge you. It's just, unfortunately, we live in this society that we're judged by our appearance. Yeah. So if people are going to make things up about you, you can control what they make up. Mm. And so I've had answers all over the board from Mark. I want to send a message of trust, character, integrity. I've had some guys walk in that said, Mark, I want to be very intimidating. I have some clients that say, Mark, I want to be fun. I want to be energetic. I want to exude enthusiasm. So whatever that message is that they want to send, you can send that message non-verbally with colors and patterns of what you're wearing. Mm. And that's where, you know, a lot of times too, I even speak with underprivileged African-American young boys at certain, you know, boys clubs and in certain schools. And I will tell them that you're going to be judged anyway. So you might as well, you can control that first impression, right? And it's, you you only have three to five seconds to make that first impression. And in that first three to five seconds, people are asking themselves, do I like this person? And can I trust this person? Mm -hmm. And a lot of professionals, especially sales professionals, if that first impression isn't great, that could affect your whole sales presentation. Mm-hmm. You know, even uh, I call it a dead man walking. You have no idea that you've already, that person has already decided you're behind the eight ball based on the first impression and you don't even know it. So now you've got to, you've got catching up to do. So you've got to, you might as well, if you, you, know, you, stack, you got to stack the cards in your favor. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Yes, yes. You know, you, you really do. You have to start stack the cards in, in, in your favor and send the message that you want to send. I'm very fortunate to now I'm working with a lot of my clients' sons. They're getting out of college. They're going on their first interview. That's and they'll neat. call me and they'll say, and I'll say the first question I ask is, what are they interviewing for? Well, they're going to a private equity firm. They're going to this. So I'm going to dress them like a private equity client. And I have a lot of clients in private equity. So the whole point, when I, when I dress them, when I tell them, the whole point is when you walk in, not for the company to say, here comes our next interviewee. I want them to say, here comes our next, here's, here comes our next employee. Yeah. That you already look like you have the job. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's, so you, the old adage is you dress for the position that you want, not the position that you have. Right. And what about people who are pretty settled in their, they've been at the company for mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years, um, they're considered, you know, high flying, but they don't really have the look because they, mm-hmm. and I can think of people I know right now, this is why mm-hmm. it's coming to mind, and I can, and I know, you know, they might be listening to this. So they, they're pretty, pretty well situated. Maybe their next step is to become, you know, senior executive or executive. What would you say to those people who, you know, are in an, in a business where they're known? Mm-hmm. Um, what could inspire them to want to polish up a little bit? What, how yeah. could they benefit? Yeah. Um, you don't want to be the person that everybody in the office talks about. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm the one that usually goes in and gives the bad news. I got yeah. to handle that with kid gloves. I'm walking in, you know, just because you make a lot of money, that's not the end game. That's not the end, right? right. Um, it has to be the total package, right? And it's not, but I tell my clients, it's 
it's what's more important is what's on the inside, not the outside. But you want to be approachable and you want to be relevant, right? Yeah. Be be aware. You want to be relevant for whatever you're doing, and that goes with grooming. Um, and I do know a lot of guys that are you know have been in their career. They're you know they're successful. They're they've made a lot of money. But there was a great quote that by Pearl Binder that said, be careful what you wear because it tells the world what you think of yourself. Ooh. And that's a good quote. Right. And it's not, it's, you know, it's not about being superficial, but it's just like I tell my son, everybody, someone's always watching you. Yeah. You're the lead dog. You're the lead person. You're the rabbit. And Uh, people are always, you know, you're, people are always watching you. People are always, because you're in a leadership position, People are always watching you. They're taking cues from you. Yep. So what cues do you want them to take? Exactly. And you really you really have more power and more control than you think um, just by, you know, it's one of those things that my actions speak so loud I can't hear what you're saying. Yes. Right. People are always watching. Not necessarily what you say, but what you do. So one other question that's not on our list, but I want to go there, is um, you mentioned there are rules in the business world, and it seems like it's changed. It's pretty casual these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any rules in the business world and round dressing that you keep top of mind or that you share? For example, people who aren't in a business that are, mm-hmm. you know, equ- equity Mm-hmm. investor type where you where you're dressing what we would more think of as a banker uh you're in a more casual industry mm-hmm. um right talk a little bit about that yeah i had one client who said mark i don't need i don't want to wear a jacket i don't want to wear a tie right so how do i send the message that i am a leader with wearing less yeah and i said well it's very simple the less you wear the higher quality it needs to be. There we go. Right? Yeah. So if you don't want if you don't want to wear a jacket or you don't want to wear a tie, then you need to have a great looking shirt. Yeah. Great looking great shirt. Fitting, right? it's got great fit, fitting, right? Great fitting. Yeah, great yeah. looking, great fitting shirt. If you're wearing glasses, quality eyewear. Make sure your hair is groomed. If you're going to wear, you know, make you have quality shoes, quality belt. Just whatever, whatever you're going to wear. If you want to wear less, just make sure it's so it's quality. I mean, I remember a, 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 an older gentleman I met said to me, he said, "Mark, you can't hide money, right?" So meaning, when you walk in the room, people are like, "Wow, you know what you wear." Not that they know that uh, you know a, a quality, you know, a quality alligator belt or a quality belt from an, an Allen Edmonds or um, somebody that makes great leather. Goods, yeah. You get some got some of my clients they've had belts that they passed on to their sons. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you're going to buy something, make sure, especially shoes. Shoes. The first thing a woman notices about a man is his shoes. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Shoes will okay. tell tell someone a lot about you. How you take care of your footwear is how you take care of a lot of other things in your life. Ah. Uh. be make sure that they're well healed. Uh, they're well shined, and you know they're they're appropriate for what you're wearing. Yeah, 
high quality. And a lot of times nowadays, like nobody around them is wearing a jacket or a tie. Correct. You know, in the yeah. tech industry, in right. the you know construction industry, mm-hmm. and a lot of other businesses. They've gotten even more casual, so that that's great advice around the high quality, higher quality. Yeah, high, high quality. And then in the business casual world, Susie, the shirt plays center stage. The shirt yeah. is absolutely everything. And not that it has to be loud and flamboyant, but it, it needs to be, it needs the color and what you're wearing needs to be appropriate for who you are and, and what you're doing. Right. So if you're going to wear, a lot of guys try to do business casual, and they think business casual is just not wearing a tie. Right? You see so many guys wearing a suit and a white shirt with no tie. Well, that's not business yep. casual, right? No. So business casual, just great-looking shirts, great-looking checks, great-looking colors, you know, because that's the main thing is going to be your shirt. If you're going to wear, uh, like today, I'm, I'm wearing great jeans, very you know dark, dark jeans, and a great-looking shirt I've got. Um, you know, little, I've got colored buttons on my shirt. Uh, the shirt needs to have a little bit of character. It's got a two-button collar versus a one-button collar. Two-button collars send the message that it says, I'm not, I didn't forget my tie, and I'm not supposed to wear a tie with this shirt. What's so a two-button collar? Um, you, you'll see a two-button collar. There, it's on your collar. Instead of having one button, there's, there's, a, there's a button on top of it, not to the side of it. Oh, see? There we go. So yeah, there's just little things that... <laughs> I know it has two buttons, but I'm trying to visualize it. Obviously, my yeah, husband does not it, have it's, one. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one. It's, you'll see one button, and there's another one right on top of it. Oh, another also, one on top. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're kind of stacked. And then on the yeah. other side, it, the, the other side has two uh, eyelets, two buttonholes. But they're just little things that you do. So every when I'm dressing a client, every there's nothing's overlooked. Everything has a reason for what we're doing. Yeah. The shoes, the belt, you know, if you're wearing jeans, they're going to be nice, dark, dressy jeans. You can get great shoes, you know, make sure you're buying quality footwear. There are so many people out there that make quality footwear. Um, you know, Ferragamo makes great shoes. Alan Edmonds makes great shoes. Johnson & Murphy makes great shoes. Santoni, make sure that you buy quality footwear and then also footwear that can be resold. Um you know, it's you. You can have the higher quality you buy, the longer it's going to stay in your closet. Yeah. Well, what if we're somebody, talking about here is executive presence. You know, whether you're right. business casual, and that's our whole series is around right. executive presence and and our you know for the style and appearance area that we measure uh, in the uh, survey that we do is to yeah. look and act like an executive, command right. the room. You're seen as energetic Correct. and vigorous. Correct. So what I love about everything that you're sharing, it's staying it's to what you said earlier, staying relevant, walking in the room, kind of controlling what people are thinking if they don't know you, and then if they do know you, you know, what are the cues you're sending about how you care for yourself and how they should care for themselves and how they should uh, represent themselves. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great book called Leadership Secrets of Attila the Hun. Uh, yes. And so uh, in the book it says you always want to dress one notch yep. above your subordinates. Yep. Not 10 notches, just just a, a cut above, one notch above your subordinates. So when someone walks into the office, it's obvious who's in charge. Yeah. And that is 
when you think about that, you think when you say to someone he has presence or he mm-hmm. or she has executive presence, that's it. You know who's in charge. Right. Yeah. You know who's in charge. And then that always that always spills down. And also to to relationships. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, one gentleman, one CEO I can think of off the top of my head. I'll never forget him. He was um, one of the top 10 CEOs here in Atlanta. And every time I came to see him, you know, his office was on the uh, 15th floor of this building, but he always came down to get me himself. He he didn't send his assistant down. He always came down himself. And then when he came down, he knew everybody's name. He knew the security guard's name. And we went up the elevator, got off the elevator. You know, as he's walking back to his office, he knew everybody's name. Yeah. Morning. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Mark. And it was just that, you know, that just added. And he said, Mark, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. He said, but I know how to deal with people. He knows how to use and how to treat people. And that is you know, the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Because you have people who do things and who help people want to do things and influence. You have to be able to do that. That's right. amazing. Love it. Yeah. And I went then I went to his house and I uh, went there in the afternoon. It was about 1130. I read around lunchtime, pulling his driveway. He lived right across from the CEO of Home Depot. You know, the gates open up and I pull in and I'm He's got all these guys out there working in his yard, and uh, and then there and the doorbell rings, and this pizza guy shows up with five pizza boxes, and they walk in, and he has this. And we're sitting in the kitchen, and he yelled out, and he called all these guys in, and they came in in his house and were eating pizza. Oh, how nice! Just, that, yeah. that just had a huge effect on me. That he understood that um, life was all about relationships. Very, very touching, and a great example and role model. Right. Yeah, servant leadership. Yeah, servant leadership, exactly. Not talking about it, doing it, actually doing it. Let's go into, there's six items on the Executive Presence Index that measures appearance. And they are in the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style. And I won't list them here, but I've given you, Mark, the list of six items, mm-hmm. and people are getting feedback from others around how well they're doing on a scale of one to five in each one of mm-hmm. these areas. Um, out of the six, which two do you see people, executives, men in particular, struggling mm-hmm. with the most? I would say the first one is number four, uh, level appropriate in his overall appearance and style. Okay. Um, Talk a little bit about that. I'm constantly telling my clients, you drive a great car, you live in a great house, right? But your wardrobe doesn't reflect your lifestyle. And so many guys will go to, you know, an inexpensive retailer and they just don't make the same investment in their wardrobe in themselves, ultimately, that they're making in other areas of their life. And when I see a client, I say, all I want to do is bring your wardrobe up to the level of your the lifestyle that you're living. And anytime, every time you do that, I will get guys say, oh my God, Mark, I had no idea what I was missing. I mean, there are, if you want to drive a Mercedes, there are the Mercedes of suits and clothes as well. Yeah. Right? And, you know, so it, that's, that's a big area. And like we talked about earlier, wearing quality clothing, quality shoes, quality belt, quality jeans. There's a reason that a pair of jeans cost you know, $200 and there's other jeans that cost $30. You 
there's a reason the suit there are suits out there that you can get for three hundred or four hundred dollars and there's suits you can get for fifteen hundred dollars. There's a huge difference. And once you in the quality and the message and once you once I get somebody into that, they under as soon as they put it on, they quickly are in wow Mark, I hadn't thank you they'll they'll thank me. They'll say, Mark, I had no idea. I had no idea my clothes could fit so well. Because what previously they said, okay, I don't really prioritize this as right. a low priority, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they've now decided to focus on it. Maybe they've gotten right. feedback. Maybe they're the person everybody's talking about. Maybe they right. want the next position. Whatever. Correct. What are they feeling or experiencing? If you could put more language to it, when they say, "I didn't know what I was missing," what's happening yeah. to them? Their 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 whole countenance is. It's not an arrival; it's an appreciation. Because they've already arrived, a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really they're it's already not, it's in the position, yeah. maybe for some. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's an appreciation for something that they've been missing. You know, yeah. back to the DK DK, they didn't know what they didn't know. Uh huh. Yep. Right. They just did, they didn't you know they didn't know. Yeah. And you know, one story I've got was a, I was given to give a lot of presentations. And one gentleman came up to me, very successful guy in Atlanta. Um, he came up to me at the end of the presentation. He said, Mark, I've been buying clothes for 15 years, and I had no idea what I didn't know. He said, I'm a fish that doesn't even know he's wet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said, I want to hire you immediately. And, you know, he's been living in his father's shadow. Uh, for so long, and yeah. he's because um, his dad is an amazing dresser, um, and now we've totally redone his wardrobe. And he said, "Mark, I can't tell you the compliments and how my life has changed since I've changed my appearance." It, it is. I'm relating to it because, for me personally, grew up with not much money, and then grew mm-hmm. up with a, a family that didn't really have much emphasis on that or capability on how you look. And then you uh, start working in corporate America and you try, you know, you play around with it and you try to figure out what's the look. I mean, it's always been a source of tension for me. And then uh, over the past, and then I have my own business, I'm in front of groups. And so Mm -hmm. I can get into the content and I can get into being with people. But the part that I always felt the hardest or the most tension around was the clothing. You know, how do you, how do I make sure I look right, you know? And uh, so it's just been interesting. I have a stylist that I work with now, and I've had worked with uh, two different ones for, I guess, five years. And, it's, and I'm relating to what he's saying. You know, I'm not, a, you know, a CEO running a big corporation, mm-hmm. but running my business, it's the taking the pressure off. Of, that was always a tension point for me. And, and the assessments that I do with folks, a lot of people who listen have taken the trimetrics assessment. And um, there's an area that measures what your top drivers are. So what interests you? What puts gas in your tank? And how you look or how things look and feel is the lowest. It doesn't mean I don't want it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. spend less. I'm more like a guy. You know, I'm going to spend mm-hmm. less. I'm like the guy who drives the nice car and has nice houses, but, right. you know, is struggling with how do you apply it, you know, to your mm-hmm. to the clothing piece. But it has been like light bulb moments of like how good it feels. I already felt good. I already was doing good in my business, but how good it feels to put on something that's relevant. That's a thing for me, too, is staying relevant. 
um, right. as I move now in my you know fifties. You know, how do I stay relevant and up to date right. without looking right. like I'm trying to look like mm-hmm. you know all of that? So that's a female perspective, but I'm relating to all of this and living in their mother's shadow. So my mother's shadow was uh, the opposite, not knowing how to dress and not looking appropriate for anything. Um, so I'm assuming other people listening are probably relating to both sides of that. Yeah. I and love that story. And it's not important to guys until it's important. Oh, they have a big yeah. meeting, they have a big presentation, they get a promotion or just recently I've had several clients become board members now and they're in board yeah. meetings all the time. Um, and it, it become, and that's my job is to keep on top of my clients to let them know, Hey, listen, you know, Christmas is coming. Um, new year's is coming. What do you, you know, formal wear is a huge, Oh yeah. That's a source of, right. You know, yes. A lot yes. of guys, a lot of guys have no idea that there are only certain lapels, the lapel on your jacket. There are only certain lapels that you should wear for formal wear. There's two. One is the peak lapel, which is a pointy lapel, like on a double-breasted suit. Yeah. And the other is a shawl lapel, which is rounded. Your your suit lapel, your which are a notch, a notch lapel that you see on your suit on everyday suit is not a formal lapel. Uh-huh. But you see, yeah. you know, people selling that all the time, and I can't tell you how many how much formal wear I've replaced in guy's closet because here you got, you've got a CEO of some huge company yep. or the president or whatever. And he has a lot of influence and you know, it's, it's all about, it's all about knowing it's, it's yep. just, um, you know, there's a saying once you know the rules, it's okay to break them, but you need to know them. And you just, you just never know formal wear. It's just all about education. You know, Cy Sim said, you know, an educated consumer is my best customer. Yeah. And yep. that's why I love educating guys. And yep. just not only, you know, this is why we're wearing this. So now you understand, you know, the most expensive clothes in your closet are the ones that you buy, you never wear. They're yep. like gold bricks sitting in your closet. So you buy something on your own vacation with your wife or you buy something you're in, you know, Miami or you're in Hilton Head or whatever. Yep. And you see something in this store that you like. When you buy it, you bring it home. You're like, oh, what, I have nothing to wear with. I have no. I don't know what this, what goes, this goes with. with. Yes, right. yes. Yeah. It looked good, and it was fun right. in the moment. But I'm looking on a mannequin, right? Yeah. Is it, the yeah. Right, is it the right color for me? Is it is it yeah. is it sending the message that I want to send? So that's why I do this thing called dressing by the numbers. I have granimals for guys, and all my clients' clothes are coded in their closet. Mm. So if he goes to wear this blazer, let's so say the the houndstooth blazer is number one. It has a little number one in the jacket. And then he might have six or seven shirts that go with that. Those shirts also have number one. He have he might have four pairs of trousers that go with that. Those have number ones. So as long as he's matching up the numbers, all he has to do, okay, the jacket has a one, the shirt has a one, the trousers have a one. As long as it has the same number in it, they go together and he looks right. like a rock star every day. That's awesome. So guys want it, it easy. The, yeah, they want to press the easy button. Yeah, there we go. It takes the tension out of getting dressed and right. it's just a non-thought. And that's that's right. why when they made the investment, they say, hey, I didn't know I was what I was missing. Yeah, guys don't want to think about it. They'll go, 
some they'll go once a year and buy you know spend five thousand dollars on clothes or whatever they spend and they just get it out of the way they spend it all you know, one of my clients said yeah he yeah. said um i'm like a squirrel he said mark every year i go off to gather my nuts <laughs> and he said i kind of look around and see what other nuts the other squirrels are getting and i know that if i'm getting the hazelnuts or you know whatever that i'm safe and a lot of guys they want to be safe they don't want to rock the boat so you see so many guys in blue blazers and khaki pants and cordovan loafers and blue yep. button down shirts because they know they want it they're not going to rock the boat yeah but a lot of guys they kind of pine away. They'll see someone that's really well dressed. They're like, "Wow, I really wish I could do that." Yeah. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so, just like in anything else in your life, you seek out experts. So, find an expert. You know, another story about a gentleman. I was at a car. I was getting my car detailed, and I knew the owner of the detail shop. And one of his clients was there. Uh, he was recently divorced, back on the market. And you know, he introduced me to him, and he immediately, you know, when he found out what he did, he immediately looked at me and said, wow, I need a guy like you in my life. And, yeah. you know, he, he, he said, you know, he, it made sense to him because he was, in, he was a, uh, a general contractor. Yeah. And he said, you're, he said, you're a facilitator of clothing. He said, you know, I bring in painters and electricians to do, I bring all these experts in. He goes, why don't I have a clothing expert? Yeah, and it was yeah. it just made a lot of sense to him, and you know he's yeah. been a great client ever since. That's so cool. So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, okay, I'd like to find an expert, and I need to do better at this level appropriate uh, in my overall appearance, and say they're they're not a senior exec right yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they have a young family or they're you know headed in that direction, or maybe they're where my husband was twenty years ago, you know when his mentors yep. right. <laughs> gave mm-hmm. a little bit of advice um they're not quite ready to hire an expert, but they right. would like to up level their game. What are some things mm-hmm. they could do? What would you recommend should they redress for success kind of what are your kind of key yeah key things? for me, you know c Tony Robbins has a great saying he said, if you want to be successful find someone that's successful and ask them what they did to get there. Yeah. So if you see someone that you, that dresses well, or that you ask them, Hey, where do you buy your clothes? Right? Ah, there we go. Right. You know, you find someone in your life that you say, Hey, I would, I like that guy's style. Right. Yeah. And say, Hey, you know what? Where, you know, where do you, where do you shop for your clothes? Right. Yeah. And, or find somebody that you can trust that doesn't have an agenda. Yeah. Because a lot of times when I tell my clients, the reason I do my seminars is to educate them. Uh, there's a great book out there I would recommend. He's a, he's a dear friend of mine, and I actually, uh, actually helped him launch his book. Uh, it's written by a guy named Alan Flusser, and the title of the book is called Dressing the Man. I actually have it right here in my office. Uh, yes, yes. It's Dressing the Man, Mastering the Art of Permanent Fashion by Alan Flusser. And this book was written in back in 2003 when it came out, but it's the Bible in the men's clothing business. Awesome. Okay. It will yeah. tell you everything you've always wanted to know about dressing well, all the way from, you know, formal wear and, and white tie and all the way to business casual. Ah, that's awesome. Recommendation. Yes. Yeah. It covers shoes. It covers yeah. pocket squares. It covers pattern mixing. It covers everything. Ah, awesome! Dressing the man, and then finding someone else where they where they uh, get their clothing, yeah. and then 
Also, something you talked about earlier is, you know, start looking for higher quality and making yourself comfortable yeah, with and, and start with one piece, right? If you're going to buy, yeah. you know, if you're going to buy one suit, buy a, a nice quality Navy suit, right? Black, uh, black is not appropriate for the business world. Black is reserved for formal occasions, but you don't wear black in the business world. Um, dark Navy or dark, dark charcoal gray is more appropriate than black. Black is reserved for, you know, formal occasions, cocktail parties, um, New Year's parties, funerals. Start with one high quality, either navy suit or dark charcoal. Navy suit or dark charcoal, right. Start with one quality suit. And if it's casual, they should do what? If it's casual, if you're doing, if you buy one classic jacket, either a black blazer or a navy so you blazer. can do a black blazer if it's casual. Yes, if it's casual, correct. You can do a black blazer, but not a black suit. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, um, just like the woman has a little black dress, you can dress it up, yep. dress it down, right? Yeah. So, so the navy blazer and the black blazer are the little black dress for guys. Gotcha. And navy blazer, you, know, you can dress it up, you can dress it down, you can wear jeans, you can do, you know. Um, and you said dark and jeans. That dark just... jeans, yeah. No, not yeah. Very dark, dark indigo jeans. And all of this needs to be fitted right. A Correct. Fit, fit has yeah. a lot to do with how fit, it really does. I mean, yeah, yeah. Whether you're, yeah. So um, guys are going to dress differently. If you're six three, he's going to dress a whole lot differently than someone that's five seven. Yeah. Right. Shorter guys typically should not have any um, cuffs in their pants because they always want to, you know. Guys that are five eight and below, no cuffs on their pants because it makes cuffs kind of shorten you. You want to make sure you're yeah. not having. There's just all these little rules that you follow, but yeah. that's all in that. That's all in that book as well. Yeah, awesome, great tips. Out of the six items that are measured around appearance and executive presence index, is there another one that you yeah. do quite a lot? It was either five or I was struggling between five or six. Can we go with uh, five? Yeah. You know, you want, you know, like I said, going back to the leadership sequence of the on, you you always want to look the part. And five, just uh, to state it for our listeners who yeah, are whether, tuning in, yeah. whether setting whether, the setting is formal or informal, he or she always looks the role. Correct. Yeah. And that goes back to you know, the leadership secrets of Attila the Hun. You're always dressing one notch above your subordinates, uh, wherever you are. If you're at a off, if you're an off-site cocktail party, if you're at an off-site if you have a Christmas party or holiday parties, wherever you are, if you're in an environment where you're the boss, then you want to make sure that you're dressing to that level of appropriateness. Yeah. You have to remember, you know, how you walk, talk, and look says a lot about you. Yeah. And so you need to dress appropriately if you're going to be in a leadership position. One other area that I want to look at is an item that we measure. It's in it plays a key part in looking and acting like an executive, which is something we measure, looks healthy, alert, and expresses Mm -hmm. himself with vigor or herself. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Do you get into those kind of conversations sometimes with executives? Because it sounds like you are doing a lot of consulting around not only what's in their closet, but Mm -hmm. how they're coming across as an executive. What gets in the way of that? What do you see? I'd say, you know, I'd say overall appearance and attitude, you know, going back to the gentleman that I talked about earlier, he was very outward. He was more, he was very extroverted. 
And I think that... Which gentleman um, was this? Was this the CEO? This was the, the CEO that came down to get me. Got it. Himself. Yes, and, thinking. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, he always started his day off great. He always started... He had a great attitude. He was relevant. You know, personal grooming also goes... Well, you know how great you feel after you've just come and had a great haircut? Yeah. Um, that's also... That's part of it. And then also... Uh, color is very important. What you wear can help your whole attitude. I mean, when you're dressed up, when you're dressed to the nines or bulletproof like this other gentleman, yeah. you just you just walk a little lighter, you step a little faster, you know. And when you're wearing your Sunday best or your like Zig Ziglar says, your go to meeting clothes. Um, <laughs> go to meeting, yeah. Right. You just you just feel better about yourself, and your whole yeah. attitude changes. What I like and, to think of is I want to show up and not be thinking about how I look. So I want that already yeah. buttoned up and done out of my mind so that I'm totally present with what's happening and I'm not fidgeting with something or I'm not thinking, oh, am I appropriate for the room and none of that. Right. I want none of that in my thoughts. I want to yeah. be where I'm at. And that's where, that's where, like you said, comes from hiring experts yeah. to to educate you. And so my goal for my clients is I want to teach a man to fish, right? Mm-hmm. If I yeah. educate them enough and my goal is for them not to need me. Yeah. My goal is for to educate them so much that they're like, okay, when they go somewhere, they know I want them to buy and not be sold. If they're going to go, if you're going to go somewhere, I don't want some salesman selling them something. I want them to buy something. Pick. They know what they right. like and what works know what they for like, them. know what works for them. So that's why we work on color. There's the two most important things in the clothing business as far as image is color and proportion. Mm, um, okay. I was yeah, I was very fortunate to be the wardrobe consultant for CNN and Turner Broadcasting for almost five years. Oh, how cool and, is that? Yeah, it was great. And the whole reason I um, was fortunate to get that position is because I understood the most important rule of dressing is to lead the viewer's eye towards your face. What you're wearing should be so well put together, it just blends into the woodwork and people automatically look at your face and they're waiting for the message that you're going to send. Oh, that's good. Yes. So when I was dressing the anchors on CNN, you've got millions of people viewing in and you want them focused on what they're saying, not what they're wearing. Mm -hmm. You want them focused on the message. Yep. Want them focused yep. on the news, not dangly earrings or a big watch or a loud tie. So what you're wearing should be so well put together that people just look at it and they immediately, their eye goes to your face. That's yep. the number one rule for dressing. I just did a video shoot for something, and I was so stressed about what to wear, and eventually mm-hmm. got help. <laughs> but yeah. around, you know, focus on the message, and that's it. So go to the basics so the eye is on the eyes on the face. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And I have a lot of pet peeves. You see so many executives on covers of magazine and they're just not wearing the right color or they get no coaching before they do that. Yeah. And it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Why not take advantage of that? It's kind of like with this video shoot. Okay. So I'm going to put everything into it so I get the most out of it. Right. And that includes what's your image. And then also, too, Susie, one big thing is your LinkedIn profile picture, Mm. right? Harvard Business Review empirical evidence states that people spend 
32% of their time looking at your LinkedIn profile picture before they decide to do business with you. 32% of the time? 32% of their time looking at your LinkedIn profile picture before deciding to do business with you. Wow. So you could be losing business and not even know it. Yep. Your LinkedIn profile in today's talked about being relevant in LinkedIn is your social media first impression. Right. It is. Yeah. People, the first thing I do, if I get introduced to somebody, I immediately go on their LinkedIn profile. Yep. As we all do, I think, anymore. Right. For right. any meeting, I'm on LinkedIn going, yep. okay. Yeah. And have, have yep. save, you know, save the phishing pictures for your Facebook. Save LinkedIn yep. is professional. Right. Yep. But have it professionally done. You know, I talk to guys all the time about if you're going to color your hair, have it professionally colored. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, get an expert's opinion, get expert help. Make sure you're dealing with subject matter experts. There are a lot of clothing companies out there that hire, you know, attractive women to because they know they're dealing with a male audience, but they know nothing about clothing. Yeah, right? yeah. And they're going to dress you in what they think you look good in, not what you should be wearing. So yeah. you want to make sure the people that you're dealing with, it, whoever you would is, whatever it is in life, is they're subject matter experts in their field. Yes, absolutely. So if we want to express ourselves with vigor, which is this Color. area of looking healthy and alert, it's overall appearance and attitude. Overall appearance and attitude, correct. And then you say the biggest parts of that have to do with appearance is color and proportion. Color and proportion. Yeah. yeah. And great tips and, and suggestions. And then and making sure that you're wearing clothes that, you know, that are, that fit you, right? That are age and also age appropriate as well. Yeah. You know, I get a lot of guys that are in denial of, you know, what their <laughs> waist size is and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, and I always hear, oh, I'm good. No, I don't want to buy, I'm, I don't want to buy any clothes until I lose weight. I'm like, well, sure. Yeah. You tell me you want to, you're going to look horrible until when. <laughs> right. yeah. so you're just to I thought only women weight. said that. Like I say that too. Huh? Oh, guys say it all the time. I want to. I want to <laughs> lose weight. I'll say, well, okay. What have you? What, when are you going to start? And it's just, <laughs> you know. So why don't you look good now while you're losing the weight? We can always take the clothes in. There we go. I like that. Yeah. So you shared so many good insights, and you're obviously an expert at what you do, and it's been wonderful having you share that expertise, and I know that people are going to benefit from it. Um, we have some last questions that are sure. uh, relate to our topic, but also some insight uh, from your perspective on when you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? You know, the first person that comes to mind was a mentor of mine. Um, his name was Dave Stoddard. And he wrote a book called The Heart of Mentoring. And he always told me that living was about giving mm. and to give your life away. Um, I'll never forget when I went to his eulogy, he had so many people attend that they had to have it in a uh, gymnasium in a gymnasium at this local high school. Oh, nice. He, you know, he impacted so many people, right? And he always told me, he said, you know, because he knew he mentored me for years, and he said he knew the type of people I dealt with. And I was always coming to tell him about my latest client and, you know, how much money he had and all his success and everything. He said, Mark, I only want to know two, 
two things about this person. If they're married, how's his relationship with his wife? If he has children, how's his relationship with his kids? That's all I want to know. So um, I think of defining success. Um, that's what I think about. Mm, wonderful mentor. What a blessing. That's awesome. And he wrote a book called The Heart of Mentoring. Yeah, the Heart of Mentoring. He wrote a book, and uh, it was all about the heart. He would always tell me, Mark, if the, if the person's heart is good, then we have something to work with. Yeah. I always say connection trumps precision. You know, right. you may know a ton of yep. things in the world, and you may, you know, be super-duper something. But if we're not connected, what does all that matter? Correct. So yep. what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? Um, number one, I would say get right with God and understand that there is a God and it's not you. Um, I think that learning earlier, you know, in life that, you know, it is about relationships. Um, it's, it's really about the effect you have on other people. How do other people feel when you're around, when they're around you? Uh, and, you know, like my wife said to me one, you know, one time she said, Mark, I'm not, I'm not tired of living the life but I am tired of living the lie that things make you happy. Because when the, when the important is missing, the unimportant becomes, you know, matters. So if you're not really getting what you need in your life, then you'll start filling your life with all this other stuff that doesn't matter. Right. Right. So true. So true. And I love what you shared about how do others feel around you. That is a big piece of it. And in the Executive Presence Index survey, we measure some of that. What's your level of resonance? Do you create resonance mm-hmm. with people or dissonance? Do you do people perceive that you are have a level of concern and care? Mm-hmm. And that has to do with executive presence uh, and this ability to influence. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love what Zig Ziglar said. He said, "People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." Much you care, yeah. And it mm-hmm. is a big piece. And you can get everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. If you could have one billboard anywhere, what would it be and what would it say? Uh, you know, I'd go back to my my mentor, Dave Stoddard, and say, the billboard would say, uh, living is about giving. You know, give your life away. Love it. And then as we close today, what's one last bit of advice or wisdom you'd like every leader to take away from our discussion today? Uh, I would be going back to just realizing that the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency that there is and deciding how you're going to serve the world and what does the world need that your talent can provide. Mm. Finding out what that is. Love it. Awesome. It's been great having you share today. If folks want to reach you, what's the best way they could connect with you, Mark? Uh, the best way is you could certainly email me. Uh, my email address is M as in Mark, B as in boy, F as in Frank, at dressetheman, D-R-E-S-S-T-H-E-M-A-N.com. Certainly feel free to call or text. Um, my phone number is 404 nine eight three four one two one or you can go to my website dressedtheman.com any of those ways will work. Got it. Awesome. Thank you. Well Susie, thank you. It's been a pleasure. 
So how did you like that interview with Mark? I liked what he talked about. DK, DK, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) That's a good summary of a lot of things, isn't it? And I like some of his tips about how you can, without an image consultant, up your game somewhat in the clothing arena and how your image around asking someone else where they shop, the books he recommends, Dressing the Man, the title of that complete title of that book is Dressing the Man, Mastering the Art of Permanent Fashion. That uh, book is linked in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style. I like this focus on high quality and um, don't forget to think about your LinkedIn profile. So now let's go to Anna Hopkins. She is going to talk more about some of the work she does, and some of her references are more for women. But again, I think it is something that everybody can benefit from, and you'll get something out of it, just like with Mark, you could get a lot out of it too. Anna is an Atlanta native. They both are in Atlanta or live in Atlanta, which is where I'm recording and where I live. But Anna is an Atlanta native. She was born and raised in Norcross, Georgia. She attended Georgia State University, where she earned her bachelor's degree in Spanish with a concentration in business and a minor in Italian. And she worked in sales and marketing for a Silicon Valley IT manufacturer and decided to follow her passion. She talks a little bit about that today in our discussion. And she attended the London Image Institute's introductory course, where she learned the technical and scientific aspects of image consulting and their advanced course on image consulting, coaching, and seminar design. She's a founder and principal image consultant for The Elevated Image. And she is also a technical recruiter. And she talks a little bit about this. She volunteers with a veterans group uh, using her image consulting and recruiting skills to help military veterans transition from active duty to civilian duty. Very good soul. uh, Lots of good information that we talk about today. She said this in the interview, and it's one of the comments that I started with today. Watch out for burnout. You cannot fill a cup from an empty pitcher. And oh, is that true? Let's go to the discussion with Anna now. Anna, thank you for being here. Welcome on the call. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm so glad you're going to talk to us about image consulting and executive presence. And what I want to start with is have you share a personal story about how you ended up becoming an image consultant and, and being you know, having your own own business in Elevated Image. How did all that come about? So uh, I like to joke that um, I had my first client when I was seven because that is how old I was when my mom realized I had better taste in clothing than she did and started making (laughs) me go shopping with her. You know, growing up, like I've always just really enjoyed shopping and clothes and and all that kind of stuff. And then when I was in high school, uh, they came out with that show, like Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and What Not to Wear started coming out in these makeover TV shows. And I just loved watching how much of an impact just changing a few superficial outside things like with clothing in a haircut, makeup, that kind of stuff, how much of an impact that had on a person's self-esteem, on how they carried themselves, on how they felt about themselves, and how people treated them. And so when I found out that that was a job that a real person could have and not just something that you had to be on TV in order to do, I, I really just kind of went for it and decided to get trained and certified because I just am passionate about helping people 
And this is a way that can make impact right now. You know, exercise is really important and great and everything, but that takes a lot of time. And I am very much a fan of instant gratification. So I like <laughs> to show people how they can change things now, you know, so that it helps them with their long-term goals over time. Because it's like, oh, if I look good now, imagine what I'll look like in however much time. So I that's kind of that. how I got started. Um, it's been about four, it'll be four years in January. Okay. Um, and I love it. That's awesome. I love the show What Not to Wear. I don't guess they do. I don't think they do episodes anymore, but it used to make me cry. And for, for Oh, yeah. If you're listening and you're not familiar with the show, it's two stylists and they take somebody who's really, uh, they, I, what, didn't some people get nominated to be on the show by yeah. family members? Yeah, their family and, yeah, their family and friends would nominate them and then they would get kind of surprised and sort of hijacked and they'd go through their closet. They would talk to them about, what was wrong with the clothes that were kind of their go-to outfits and stuff. Talk to them about the issues with how they were dressing with the fit, with colors, all the different types of things that can kind of go wrong with an outfit. And then show them examples of what they should be looking for instead. And then gave them the money to go shop themselves. And it was, it's really impactful for people. I, I definitely recommend watching an episode if the listeners haven't. Yeah, I I liked it because, you know, my passion is, is similar to yours, but we go about it differently. But mine is, you know, people, myself included, you be the best you can be, be the best version mm-hmm. of yourself, feel good about yourself, feel accomplish what you want to accomplish and, and not hold yourself back and, you know, all parts of it. And I would just love, like you said, to see how people would feel at the end. They'd go through all these emotional traumas mm-hmm. about, you know, their clothes being thrown away and, you know, being able to shop for shop and pick things out. And then in the end, they're, they're just so, they're standing tall. They look great. They feel great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love that. It's, awesome. It's I definitely love, awesome. And I love and that you I, were doing I, this when you were seven, too. <laughs> so does my mom. Yeah, yeah. Because I definitely don't know, you know, I don't have that knack. I have other strengths, and so I have to work at it, you know. So mm-hmm. I have a stylist that helps me pick out clothes and mm-hmm. things like that, because it just does not come natural to me. So, And it, um, it doesn't come natural to everyone, and that's one of the things that I like being able to do. Some people have a natural eye for it they just don't like to do it so they need someone to just kind of like hold their hand and go with them it's easier to go shopping with someone it just makes it easier there's a second opinion second set of hands you know all that kind of stuff and some people really need you know soup to nuts they need to learn how to do every little thing and then some people need to learn how to do every little thing and don't want to so they just pay me to do it for them so right it's uh it's cool because I get to work with different types of people in different situations, which is also really interesting for me. That's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, our focus is on executive presence. And just to mm-hmm. restate the definition or our definition of executive presence is the qualities of a leader as seen through the eyes of others that engage, inspire, align, and move people to act. So we're talking about, when we're talking about executive presence, a big piece of it is how are you seen by others? Mm-hmm. And a piece of it is this appearance. It does impact how your ability to execute. You know, so do you mm-hmm. look and act like an executive? Can you command the room? Are you seen as energetic and vigorous? And the, on the flip side of that is, you know, are you also not? You know, do you have substance? And do you not? Do you not seen mm-hmm. as an empty suit? Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say real quick. That's one of the the nice things about what I do too. Is the way that we define image. It's not just your appearance. It's also your behavior and your communication. 
So it's those three really important pieces that impact how you're perceived by others. And so it's, you know, the appearance part has so much to do with it, honestly. But the other the other two pieces are really where kind of that follow through piece comes in because it doesn't matter how good you look if the other stuff isn't there. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting when people think of executive presence. Sometimes all they think about, if if people are trying to describe it, they'll say, "Well, you know, gravitas, command the room." You know, they don't have it or they do have it. You know, mm-hmm. but it's that whole mix of what you were talking about: your behavior, how you communicate, your ability to, you know, your substance, in addition to your appearance. So. Mm-hmm. In the Executive Presence Index survey, we're measuring six items, and they'll be in the show notes as you're listening to this. You can go to pricelessprofessional.com slash style, and you can see the six items. But I have asked Anna to look at the six items that we're measuring around the area of appearance and to, based on her interactions with clients, which of those six items do people struggle with the most? Uh, Mm -hmm. Anna, what did you pick? Um, I picked number three and number six, and they, they're kind of related. Uh, and so I thought that that was kind of nice because they work together. But I think that it's one of Let's those Let's state things, them real quick. Would yeah, you, oh, you yeah, have yeah, it in sure. front of you? I do. I do. Um, so number three is does not show up looking fatigued, poorly dressed, or unprepared. And number six is aware that his or her dress and demeanor send a message and set expectations. And like I said, I think that both of those are really important and they tie into each other. And it's one of those things where sometimes people don't realize how much of an impact that has on how people perceive them and um, how much of an impact it has on the people below them and the people working for them. Um, So that's what I wanted to talk about just a little bit uh, because I think those two tie together really well. So So, um, those are two you see the most, you would say, mm -hmm. that people struggle with? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that all of these things. I, I think it really depends on the individual, but I think that these are two of the ones that that people struggle with the most, and also don't necessarily realize the impact of. And I think that that makes them that much more important because a lot of people don't really realize how it affects the perception of them. Yeah, yeah. So talk a little bit about the first one, which is does not show up looking fatigued, poorly dressed, or unprepared. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you see so that people can, if they're listening, and say, oh, that describes me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, nope, that doesn't describe me. What you see as an image consultant, you know, when you talk to different people. And then mm -hmm. talk a little bit about, you know, some actions that you help people take around that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so so they talk about looking constantly fatigued, um, poorly dressed, underprepared. And all of that kind of can send a couple of different messages. I'm constantly fatigued. A lot of times when you see people that look like that, there's an implication of an inability to manage their time properly. There is, you know, they're not able to delegate things properly. Uh, And those are two really important qualities of a leader. They need to be able to manage their time. They need to be able to manage their, their resources, especially when those resources are them, which is a very finite thing. So if they're not taking good enough care of themselves, you have to realize that your, you know, your employees or, you know, your team, they are looking to you to lead them and be an example. And they're putting kind of their future and their faith in your hands in a in sort of a, a very broad sense. They're really putting themselves out there. And it's important for them to know that the person that's in charge of them and taking care of them is 
able to do that properly and can do that for themselves. You know, if if someone's coming in and looking really disheveled and they're not able to manage their time and everything, if there's that that feeling sometimes of, well, if they're this disorganized just with the paperwork and stuff, like what's happening on the business side of things? Like, is there anything yeah. that I'm not aware of? And so really having that and giving your team confidence in you is really important. Um, they really need to to respect you and to buy into what you are trying to get them to do if you have good results. And I think that if you don't show up with that energy that we talked about, with, you know, without that attention to detail as far as taking care of yourself, and if you don't come in prepared, it, it just doesn't send a great message. And, and if that is a one-time thing or happens like rarely, then that's one thing. But if it happens often, then it starts to become a a perceived reflection of your character versus mm-hmm. just a, you know, oh, I just run out of the room in the morning and I didn't get a chance to brush my hair. Um, no. It can have a much larger effect over time. Anna, so, think of an example yeah. of someone that you've worked with and describe, describe what you observed. Okay. What it looked um, like. Um, just yeah. Look, get yeah. a mental picture. So they, you know, their mm-hmm. clothes look like this. The, you know, um, yeah. Not to be judgmental. It's just to give a description no, it's not. It's of not. what what could be observed. And maybe it's a specific example of maybe mm-hmm. an, uh, someone you worked with that was struggling yeah. with this area. I, what would I've you got, say? I've got some. Yeah, I've got someone in mind for sure. Um, there's one um, woman that I worked with, and she owned her own business, and you know, had a pretty decent number of people under her. And, you know, when, when we met, you know, her hair was a little, you know, just kind of flat and the, the roots were pretty bad. Her clothes didn't fit particularly well. The colors were kind of blood and they sort of washed her out a little bit. And she looked tired and she looked kind of overworked and it just didn't, I could see from an employee's point of view how it could not elicit a ton of confidence because she just looked overworked. And so what happens when people are overworked is they start to miss things. And so it just, it was not, like I said, the confidence piece, even though she knew she was good at what she was doing, she wasn't really projecting that confidence. And that is something that's really, really important for leaders to, to, is to have confidence and to, to be able to, make sure their employees have that same confidence in them. And I mean, I think that it, you know, it's not something that we talked about directly, but she made, she had made a few comments over our time working together about, you know, how her employees were acting and stuff like that. And you could tell it was trickling down. There was less attention to detail in the workplace and, and, you know, she didn't really know where it came from. It just sort of, you know, in her mind kind of happened out of nowhere, but I think that it, as her, as her time management and her self-care decreased, so did the employees' level of attention to detail. And employees were making mistakes that they had never made before. And I think that it was because there was a, a lack of energy. You know, she was down. And so I think that it brought everyone else kind of down with her. So, so she just she just looked overworked is what what you mm-hmm. described it. and you know you going back to what we talked about when we started the what not to wear show that was mm-hmm. that's oftentimes what you'd see these really good smart capable people who just got 
over busy yeah. or just stop paying attention. People are raising their kids, they're working, mm-hmm. they're commuting. Um, it's just human, or they're run and they're running mm-hmm. their business. And, um, and here, here's one of the things that I always like to remind people, and and I'll probably end up bringing this up multiple times because I think it's so important. You get a lot of people, and, and women especially, but men as well, but especially women, who put everyone else and every other commitment they have ahead of themselves. But the problem is when you're giving that much and you're not replenishing, eventually you're going to burn out. So I always like to tell people, like, you can't fill a cup from an empty pitcher. So you need to be taking care of yourself. You need to be doing the things that are necessary so that you can support the people around you. You're not going to be any good to them if you're burnt out. You're not going to be any good to them if you're depressed because you don't like the way that you look. I mean, whatever it is, if you're stressed out, you really need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself first so that you can take care of the people around you. You know, it's not only take care of yourself. It's just do it first. Yeah, Um, I like that. Yeah. It's like the airplane, you know, put your oxygen mask on before you put it on someone else. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not going to be any use to your child. People get into, they get into the whole, and everybody around them gets into it. Okay, she's Mm going to do all this, so, or he, and so we just keep on. So it it is a changing of a pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, well, know. and I think it's a, it's a changing of expectations and stuff for employees as well. I think that, you know, and, and Americans are, are particularly bad about this, um, but it's that, like, there's a certain level of expectation of productivity that isn't always realistic with being able to maintain like a proper life balance. And, you know, there are a lot of studies that show over time that companies that make sure that people are like their workload is the appropriate amount of work and they have enough time to take care of their personal issues and and things that come up. Those companies tend to do better over time, every time. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, there's management and other things that come in with that. You want to make sure that, that those processes aren't being abused or anything like that because there are people out there who will want to take advantage. But most people, if you give them the right support that they need to have a, a successful personal life, they'll do better professionally because no matter how much you want to, it's impossible to completely compartmentalize one and the other. So you really, to me, when people talk about work-life balance, it's less about time and more about like stress level and keeping them in a, in a good balance so that you're not bringing one into the other. You know, when you're, when you go home, you don't want to bring your work stress home, but you do. And when you go to work, you don't want to bring your home stress to work, but you do. So if you can design your life in a way that you can manage that better, it could be better for everyone. And I think that that is one of those things that, leaders can really impact by leading by example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that you picked these two items because you're describing this this business owner who is mm-hmm. basically looking overworked and then your next item that you pick that you see the most and they completely tie together is yeah. aware that his or her dress and demeanor send a message and set expectations. Mm-hmm. Now these are items that we measure on in the executive presence index and it's people give you feedback or you know do they think you're aware of this and so I would guess that this this uh, executive maybe had become aware of it this business owner but slightly because she hadn't done anything about it yet but she basically engaged your service yeah so how did you become aware of it 
you know? Yeah. And and I think that she became aware of it more for herself. I don't think that she really became aware of the impact it had on her business until we kind of got in it, you know, and then by the Uh, end, she definitely saw a difference. But for her, it was just, she wasn't feeling good about herself. And she hadn't been for a while. And it finally got to, to the point where she decided to do something about it. Um, you know, which is honestly the first step. Now, like some of the things that we did to kind of help her and some of the things that people can do if they do want to try to make sure that they are looking more awake, that they are properly dressed and they look prepared. You know, one of the things, especially in the business world, and it, it does depend on your environment, but there's always ways to do this is, is using color properly. You know, there's a the joke about like the 80s, you know, seasons, I use spring, summer, fall. Yeah. Um, yeah. They've actually kind of redone that. And so like when I work with clients all the time, I will do color analysis mm. and it does make a big difference. Like it's, and the cool thing about it is you put colors next to someone's face and you can compare them and you can see how some colors will really pull down and darken, you know, those, those areas and the, the bags under your eyes and stuff. And there are other colors that will brighten it up. So when you're wearing the right colors, it can really, really help you look more awake. And sometimes you look more tired than you are. And it's just because you're wearing a color that's really, really wrong for you. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, especially in more conservative environments, you can actually be use like jewelry and ties as a way to tie that in. You know, if you can't wear bolder colors and your, your like actual yeah. dresses and blouses and stuff all the time. So there are different ways to tie that in. Um, grooming is going to be a really, really big one. It's attention to detail and it's not just, you know, are you bathing and shaving and that kind of stuff. It's also yeah. just any of that, those finishing touches, you know, have you What would you rolled? describe are the ones that people forget about the most or that really make um, the biggest poppy, both of those things? Well, and for me, the one that I see the most, I see it all day, every day, and it drives me nuts is a bit of clothing. <laughs> fit of clothing. And yeah. a lot of yeah, a lot of people don't necessarily realize that that kind of can fall under grooming because it's all about that attention to detail. Yeah, it's okay. making sure yeah. that, you know, all of your stuff fits properly, your shoes are polished, all of anything that requires a little bit of extra attention, that to me falls under grooming. So the fit of clothing is the biggest thing that that I see by far, whether it's too big, too small, too short, too long. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, and I think that for so many years, fit of clothing, like it was in style for things to be too big and too baggy. And so some people are still um, like men's dress shirts are one of the things that drive me nuts most of the time because I'll see yeah. someone and I'm like, I grab a fistful of fabric and it's still blousey on them. And I'm like, you could put another person in your shirt, like, <laughs> you know, tailoring and stuff like that. Like it ends up making you look slimmer. It ends up making you look more contemporary. It ends up making you look more put together because there's less fabric to kind of come untucked and to look poofy and everything. There's all kinds yeah. of stuff that you can do as far as getting the fit and the lines of your clothing right. And that also kind of flows into style as well, like staying current. You don't have to be top, you know, the whatever's on the magazine covers because actually those are usually sad. Those aren't really what you want to be wearing anyways. Because right. <laughs> those are going to go in and out of style pretty quickly. But you want to make sure that your wardrobe is up to date, that it's, yeah. you know, the current lines and stuff. You can, you can see it in stuff like jacket length and lapels and um, different finishing touches like that. Making sure that, you know, you've updated your wardrobe every once in a while. 
um, and, and that you're getting rid of the things that, that are showing their age and showing, you know, that you've had them for a long time. There are some pieces that can stay in your closet for 20 years. There's not a lot of them, though. Yeah. Um, and just because it's still in good enough shape doesn't necessarily mean that you should be wearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, even five years, I think that most people are a fairly different person every five years. I agree um, with that. Yes. And so you need to make sure that the majority of your wardrobe is changing with you as you yeah. grow as a person. Yeah. Um, yep. If you benchmark your life out by five years, you know, you're really different from 25 to 30 to 35 to 40 and your clothes should be changing with you. And I think some people hit a certain stride and they get used to something. And sometimes what's funny is they'll get, they'll get used to wearing something that's too old for them like it's not age appropriate it makes them look older and they're just sort of almost aging into their clothing um uh, yeah. and you know it's it and that still drags you down because if you're if you're 10 years younger than the way that you're dressing then that's yeah. not really going to be like that that's going to add to that fatigue look because it's just it, it it's not going to match but you know it's so. so the current thing i mean so i like you know to look at clothes and things, but uh, mm-hmm. I've already said it's not. It's not I'm not good at it. <laughs> you know, it's not one of my <laughs> strengths. And I'm also kind of a big nerd, so I'm always studying and researching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of. So I'm all caught up in that, and so it has made a huge difference for me to have someone I go to every season. And, mm-hmm. you know, we go through, what do I have? I mean, what do I, you know, what do I'm getting rid of? What's new? You know, yeah, what's what right on me? That fit isn't mm-hmm. right. And I'll be like, it isn't. Mm-hmm. No, it's not right. You know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> what well, what, one of the things that I love is just, it's, it's so funny when you talk to people about fit and they, like, they don't realize it. And then you show them. Yeah. You know, you 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 let them compare it to something else. And, you know, like I, I love, like I'll bring binder clips because that's one of the things where we, when we talk about fit and stuff like that, it's really important to be like, Hey, look, look at what happens if you like were to take it in here, you know, or, um, and this is especially with women, but men are a little size conscious too. Some women really hate the idea of going up a size and tailoring down, but it's super common. I mean, especially if you're doing dresses or something like that. Most women are not the same on top and bottom. So you have to kind of fit to whatever the bigger part is and tailor to the smaller part. So what I always like to remind them is the only person who can see the number in your clothing is you. But what everyone else can see is the fit. So just because you know that you're wearing an eight, but it looks doesn't look good on the outside, that's not going to help you. Like wear the yeah. 10 and make it fit perfectly and you'll look thinner than if you're wearing an eight. Yeah. And no one's going to know what size dress you're in. So what happened with the uh, business owner who was looking over? Oh work? yeah, kind of, oh, what was that process? You know, first mm-hmm. off, she she must have. You know, oftentimes it's hard for us to change, and it's hard for us to yeah. reach out. So kudos to her for right. saying, you know, for I sure. just don't feel good. You know, I just not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. I'm aware that I don't feel good about myself. So mm-hmm. that was that was a big step, and then kind yeah, of, that was a big step. Yeah, in um, general so terms, we, what's the process, yeah. or what did you do with her, and where did she end up? Yeah. So what we did is, you know, we took a look at her wardrobe. Well, actually, first, what I do is I work with my clients based on their personality. So I need to get to know who you are as a person, what kind of styles you like, what your lifestyle is like, looking at your body and all that kind of stuff, because that all needs to tie together. Because it doesn't matter, you know, how awesome an outfit looks. If it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of maintenance and you don't have that time, you're never going to wear it. 
So I need to make sure that I understand what your life is like, you know, if you're a mom on the go versus if you're, you know, a high power executive or whatever it is, it, you need to make sure that everything's going to fit with your lifestyle and your personality. So first of all, I just take some time to get to know my clients. Um, then we go through the closet, figure out, you know, what's going to stay, what's going to go. She had a lot of stuff that you could just tell was, you know, 10 years old. It looked, you know, it looked dated and it looked worn out, you know, it, and, and it's, one of those things where she had the money. It was just a time and energy and effort issue yeah, just for not her, a not a kind of like financial. Me, maybe, maybe kind of a nerd, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm kind of like, I'm into my thing. And it's like, you know, yeah, I want the end result, but I don't really want to spend the time to do mm-hmm. it, you know? Exactly. So, and so yeah, I totally yeah, outsource. Um, yeah, yeah, I outsource. So, That's the way I look know, at so it. We, yeah. We went through all of that, kind of figured out what needed to stay, what needed to go. Um, I also like to like, look at your clothes and figure out what needs to be replaced. So, you know, what are your, your go-to items that are maybe looking worn or dated or anything like that? And we want to make sure we find a really good replacement for that because you know that you'll wear it. And so those are, you know, great items to spend a little bit more on because you know that, okay, well, you got really great use out of that floral jacket for so many years. Let's get you one that's a little bit more modern to cut a little bit better, you know, and we'll spend a little bit more money on it so that you'll have it for a while and you can use it the way that you used your old one, but it's updated. Um, so that's one of the things that I really like to make sure to do because it makes it easier if you have something to replace a lot of your go-to items because you dress out of habit a lot of the time. So if yep. we update how you dress habitually, then it makes it easy. Easy to do. Um, it's not like this huge lifestyle change. Yeah. Like, I don't remember. I don't know how to wear this. It's new. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't have that. It's, so it's yeah. like, oh, I'll wear this the way that I wore my old floral jacket. Yeah. Except now it fits better and I look younger and, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So um, you get to know so, them, their lifestyle, and that go through the closet. Mm-hmm. We also did, you know, hair and makeup while we were in the house. We talked about, you know, what her routine is. We put together something that is like a five minute face is one of the things that they called it on, um, on what not to wear. And we kind of went over what that looks like for her. So how can she use makeup, but not look super done up and not take a lot of time. And then one of the other things that we talked about is her hair. She needed a hairstyle that had a little bit more shape to it, but was low maintenance. We also talked about hair color and we wanted to get to, I wanted her to get to a color that if she didn't get to the hairstylist, soon enough it wasn't going to be a really strong distinction between yeah, her roots. Yeah, you said she had a lot of roots, mm-hmm. which was adding yeah. to just not and, looking I mean, it was like, kept. Yeah, she was yeah. put together. Yeah. It was like two inches yeah. of roots, too. So yeah. it was not like, it's not like, oh, I'm a little behind. It was like, oh, I haven't been in four months. And it's like, yeah. if you're going to dye your hair, you need to make the commitment to go regularly and all that kind of stuff. And you need to make yeah. sure that if you are not the kind of person that's good at going regularly, you need to make sure that it's a color that's going to grow out a little bit more naturally. More gently, um, yeah. Yes. So that was one of the things that we looked at as well. And then we went shopping. Um, we just, you know, we went to a couple of stores. Um, you know, there were some stores that she liked, which made it easier. Sometimes if you don't know what you like and you don't know what fits you, then we have to go kind of find those stores and find those brands. Um she had a couple that she liked uh, the style of, and so we were able to, to find some stuff there. And, you know, then we went back and we put some outfits together, and I um, photographed them for her, put the accessories in there. You know, we had gone through and made sure that anything we needed to get tailored got tailored. Um, I actually went and, you know, took her to my tailor, who I love, because she didn't have one, and she lived kind of in the same area as me. 
and, and got all of her clothes fitted properly. And then I, I put together a lookbook for her as well so that she had those pictures to go to. So she forgot how to wear something, yeah. you know, made it really easy for her in the morning to just go flip through the book. And I was like, I'm wearing this today and go pick out the outfit. And that, that is always a big help for people. And then we just, you know, kind of talked about the changes and everything and how they were making her feel and talked a little bit about the psychology behind it. Because what ends up happening every time is I start getting text messages of, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to get dressed this morning. Aww. Oh, my gosh, I feel so pretty today. I can't yeah. believe it. And so there's an energy and, and um, a vitality, to use the word that we, you know, that the, yeah. that the index uses. That, yep. that comes from feeling good about yourself and from having that confidence. And so, you know, the next time we we did a little update six months later and, you know, I was asking her about how things were going at work and, and she said that things were really good, that the staff was a lot more energized. They'd gotten some new clients, you know, so things were picking up because she had picked up that, that the way that she was leading she wasn't at the time. And that's the problem. She wasn't being a leader at that time. She was the owner and she was the manager, but she wasn't leading. Um, and I, I feel like there's a big distinction between a manager and a leader. And, and she wasn't really someone that everyone felt like they wanted to follow and, and be like and emulate. Um, yeah. So when she, when she got back to that confidence in herself, her business started picking up a ton. And, you know, she... I think it also made her made it easier for her to learn how to delegate some things sometimes. Again, we talked about outsourcing. I think that, you know, once you it takes one negative experience for someone to just really try to like never give anyone anything important ever again. Mm-hmm. But you can't do every single important thing in your life. And so I think that this was a I don't think that she realized that it was the same kind of thing, but I, I think it made her more comfortable trusting other people to to do things that were important to her. Because you mean because she you, asked you for support and went louder? Yeah, and, and, and it went well. I think that in the past she'd had you know a bad experience or something because she was one of those people who's kind of a control freak, and yeah. um, <laughs> I made her let go a little are. bit. Right? Shocker. Yeah. Um, I made her let go a little bit, and yeah. the world didn't end. And yeah. I think that, that was the a world good thing did not end. In fact, she was feeling good about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that, you know, when the next opportunity came around to have someone take something off her plate, she didn't fight it as much. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and creating I'm, a new and habit so, of allowing support is yeah. Many people who are listening to this call have taken um, the trimetrics assessment and that I use and mm-hmm. there's something where people measure their level of social altruism. And mm-hmm. so it, it's it's not that they don't like to give, but they're very they're more intentional about their giving. And mm-hmm. usually, executives are often they don't often score that as their top priority. It's you know the yeah. they can, doing the return on investment. And so sometimes mm-hmm. when you aren't, um, so you're very intentional about giving. You're also very intentional mm-hmm. about who you allow give you support. And so mm-hmm. sometimes those are the hardest people to coach because they they just want to do it all themselves. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and and just. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. Um, and again, that goes back to the, the fatigue thing I was talking about yeah. earlier. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you want a hardworking leader, but you don't want a leader who's overworked. So that means, like, to me, I think psychologically that almost signals like a, 
something's going wrong if they're having to work this hard all the time. You know, there's, yeah. there are those pushes where you've got a big deadline. And so yeah, for a month or two, you're going to, yeah. Seven days a week. But when, yeah. when that's your all day, every day, then that usually is a signal of, of a larger issue. And it might not be with the business, but if the only time anyone sees you is at the business, then to them, it's going to reflect work. And so going to, to number six, we already touched on it so much, but the, that awareness that, you know, a leader's dress and demeanor sends a message and sets expectations. Um, I mean, you really leading by example is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. It goes for everything. If we can't do it for ourselves. Yeah. First, how can we give it other to somebody people? else? Yeah, you gotta you gotta fill your tank first. Exactly mm-hmm. what you said it, about everything. That's why it's so mm-hmm. on the assessments. That I'm always hoping that before it gets rolled out in a company, that the executives mm-hmm. do it first. You know, so oh, they yeah, take it. You know, and they experience it, and then they're like, okay, now I get. You know, I get the message from this. I I'm learning from it, and then mm-hmm. then you can roll it out, and it has a lot more credibility. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing in regard to you can't. You can't preach being orderly and organized mm-hmm. and, you know, taking care of the details if you're not doing yeah. that personally. And the and thing is, if you're not, if that's not your strength, that's okay. But you need to have someone who's doing it for you yeah. so I'll that you're sending it. that message. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, a lot of leaders are big picture people. Um, and I'm definitely a big picture person. I can get caught up in some specific details. But as a general rule, I can miss things, you know, when when looking over paperwork and stuff like that. So that's not my strength. So I have to, you know, whenever I can, I have someone else do it for me so that it Absolutely. doesn't go wrong, so that you're not backpedaling on that. So it's one of those things where yeah. sometimes I think that it, it people feel like it's a it's a sign of weakness to have that, to, to admit that. Yeah. I, and that's one of the things, you know, looking at a lot of job descriptions and stuff, everyone says detail oriented. I'm like, not everyone can be detail oriented and that's okay. You know, yeah. you, you need a blend of it. And so it's one of those things just in life. Figure out what your strengths are. Play to those strengths and accept your weaknesses gladly and give those activities to someone who is awesome at them so you can yep. go be awesome at what you're good at. Yeah, so you're singing um, from that, from my page. We're both we're so in sync because that's mm-hmm. that's it. You know, before the call, you and I were talking about growing up and how your parents had businesses and they mm-hmm. allowed a lot of support in their life. Um, so when they were home, they were present. I mean, yeah, same yeah. thing. We're talking about you know so much of what I'm doing is what's happening on the job, but it's mm-hmm. the same thing about being present with your people, being present where you are, and allowing yeah. support. You know, well, and the and the thing is being present with your people is so important because you're as a leader, a good leader has a huge impact on the team. It has a huge impact on the culture. It has a huge impact on productivity. So to me, a leader's first and foremost job is to be a leader. All anything else that's like task oriented should theoretically be able to be delegated because you should have a strong team underneath you to take care of that stuff. And it should be your job to keep people motivated and engaged and, you know, helping them solve problems and being flexible and having the bandwidth to go deal with different things that come up and have a, have a, an image and have a relationship with your team that's approachable enough to where people will come to you when there's problems and they need help. And if they think you're overworked, if they think that, you know, you don't have the time, if they think that you're, there's too much going on, they're not necessarily going to come to you and it could end up 
snowballing into something much, much bigger that could have been nipped in the bud really early on yeah. if they had felt like they could come to you. So that's one of those things where I think that people don't really realize how how much that trickles down. And taking that ownership and being accountable to your team will lead them to be accountable to themselves and to each other and to take ownership for themselves of what they're working on. So it really just fosters that culture within your team and it it makes a huge difference. And, you know, when you think about the steps you took with this business owner, Mm -hmm. there is some time involved. So that's the other piece that if people have been out of the habit, uh, you know, fallen Mm -hmm. out of the habit of, you know, moving their body and doing some exercise and, and, you know, paying attention to what's in their closet. There is time that you have to allot to that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, what I like about our topic today, talking about it and, and how nicely you're tying it to their performance. We have to, we have to, be you know see the benefit or realize there's going to be mm-hmm. some benefit to take yeah. that time when we don't feel already don't feel like we have any time mm-hmm. you know exactly. to, um but you know if you're if you you know can buy into the fact that you know how you show up and that's what one of the reasons I like this executive presence index surveys you're getting feedback from others about how how well you're influencing this is all about your ability to influence and so hopefully it's the, the, the nudge that helps people take care of some of these things. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time uh-huh. uh, in, in offices. I see this people looking overworked and fatigued. Mm-hmm. And I know you see it everywhere you go. You've got a better eye than I do on it. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that goes, I know that one of the questions that we were going to talk about at, at one point was the, the what gets in the way of leaders not coming across as energetic and alert because yeah. vigor is such an important part. And, and it goes, again, it goes to those distractions, not enough sleep, overworked. It's, it drains your energy as a leader. And like I said, your, your job as a leader is to provide that energy to your team and to kind of keep them up and keep them going. And, and if you don't have that, it's really hard to expect your team to maintain that over any period of time without kind of a cheerleader in the corner, you know, keeping everyone peppy and going and, and solving problems and making sure that everyone has what they need to do to their job to the best of their ability. Yeah, it's, it's like having enough space. I mean, if you're maxed out, mm-hmm. there's no space for people to come to you. What are some things um, that you you recommend? I know we talked about what you did with this business owner, mm-hmm. but when you think about actions that people could take, yeah. you know, well, I'm not sure I'm coming across as energetic mm-hmm. and alert. <laughs> what are yeah. some of the key actions that, that are your favorite things that you recommend mm-hmm. to your clients? I mean, first and foremost is always going to be taking care of yourself, making sure that you're getting enough sleep. Sleep is super important. Every year they come out with more and more studies about how important sleep is and how much of an effect it has on your overall health and well-being. I am not going to lie. I am guilty about not getting enough sleep. And so that's a constant battle. But I know better. I know like every time I'm making myself go to sleep earlier than I want to and that kind of stuff, like I know that I'm doing the right thing because I'm going to be so much better for it the next day. Um, And in the long run as well, you know, exercise, diet, you know, drinking enough water, like all of these like simple self-care things are some of the first ones that we let go. Yeah, Um, Yeah, we get busy. All of a sudden we're not sleeping. Well, I don't have time to go to the gym. mm -hmm. I'm eating pizzas. I walk past the conference room. (laughs) Yeah, you go get something out of the vending machine because you don't have time for lunch. Like, Like those things and and that that is the issue with it is a lot of it takes planning and a lot of it takes time and so there is some habit building but again as as leaders 
you know, most leaders end up getting paid pretty well. And I think part of it, to me, part of it is because leaders need to be outsourcing some of that stuff. So you need to be paying someone else to do those things for you. Um, and like, to me, that's how a good leader maintains that leadership status over time is having a good support team. And that's not just at work, it's at home as well. And so to me, I think that it's sometimes, you know, and we had talked about this offline a little bit, it's what's the point of making all of this money if you're tired and, you know, overworked and miserable all the time. Use yeah. that money to facilitate your life and your life will be more successful. Yes. Um, Use that money to facilitate your life and your life will be more successful because success is happy in your day and, you know, my thing yeah. my business, wake up eager. Yeah. The other thing is, there are some immediate things you can do as well. There's a great TED talk by uh, a woman named Amy Cuddy. It's C-U-D-D-Y. Uh-huh. And uh, her. I'll put a link to that. Talk a little bit about yeah. it. Um, so the, the talk is called Your Body Language May Shape Who You Are. And she talked about, you know, different body language positions and how even if you are a very shy person, if you adopt the body language of someone who's more confident, you will feel more confident and you will be perceived as more confident. So yeah, she talks about, yeah. you know, basically like, the, you know, if you're going into a big meeting or before an interview or something like going and standing in the bathroom and like a big, like giant X, like just get as big, as wide as you can and stand there for like 15, 30 seconds and just kind of be in that position. Mm-hmm. And you'll like have some more confidence because you're taking up more space and that's like a power pose kind well, of it's thing. energy, right? We're talking about yeah, energy and, so, and bigger coming across exactly. as alert. Right. Well, I, and love that's that. I love too. that you so, referenced that. I totally forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, so, so body language. Yeah, so so using your body language that way, I mean, even sometimes like getting up and like running in place for like thirty seconds, I mean not even enough to like get super out of breath or, 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 you know, break a sweat or anything, but just enough to get your blood flowing a little bit, get that oxygen back to your brain, pumping through your heart and everything. It, you know, your face will pull a little flush and stuff, which makes you look healthier, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so just doing a couple of those things, you know, before big meetings or before, especially before meetings where, you know, it's going to be a hard meeting and you really have to pull out that cheerleader, rah, 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 let's go team. Pepping yourself up before you go pep everyone else up is a really good way to do it. I mean, you I have to, mm-hmm. you have to bring that energy and you have to believe it for yourself. Yep. If you're going to make anyone else believe it and buy into it. So, but yeah, and it's funny because a, a second ago you had, you had mentioned, you know, that we were talking about success. And um, and I keep jumping ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just am like, no, this I'm is all you. flowing so perfectly. It's We're flowing on track. perfectly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know, one of the other things that you want, you'd asked me is like when, when I think of the word successful, who is the first person that comes to mind? And honestly, the first person that comes to mind, you know, is just going to be like really famous, you know, people who have celebrities or high tech, whatever, you know, Steve Jobs yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but then I have to like like that to me is what we've been told success is. Yeah, and so I always like I have that instant thought of like oh these people are successful and then I you know take a second and I'm like what do I think success means because everyone has a different value for that everyone to to different people success is different things and so for me like. The people that I find successful are the people that have, have figured out how to have that work-life balance where they, you know, it's 
you're never going to quote unquote have it all. Like there's always going to be some area that feels like you could do more in and that kind of stuff. But to find a good balance where it's like, all right, I could do more, but this is, this is a happy medium for me. Like this is where I can coast. And, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where maybe you don't take a, a higher paying job or whatever, because you want to spend more time with your family and friends and stuff like that. Like making sure that you understand what your priorities are and building your life around those. Yeah. I think that is successful. Yeah. I think successful people, you know, have an impact on, those around them. It doesn't have to be an impact on, you know, again, it doesn't have to be Steve Jobs. You don't have to be impacting an entire technological revolution. Having impact on the people around you, it's that trickle effect. It's, you know, it's that, you know, you throw a rock into a pond and you see all the ripples go out. It will positively affect the people that are working for you. And that will go on to help positively affect their family and friends. And it goes on from there. Um, And so, you know, that and, and having passion as well as finding something that you're passionate about. And it doesn't have to be like your big passion. I think that, you know, some people feel like they have to follow their dream job or whatever. There is a balance between finding something that you're good at and that is a skill that's needed. And you can be passionate about it, even if it's not like your ideal dream job. You can still be passionate about something and, and do well at it and really be impactful that way. And I think that that's one of the powerful things that people people could really take away just from what I think success is. I think that learning to be passionate about what you're doing, even if it's not like the ideal thing for you, makes everything better in life. It's all how you decide to focus on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what advice would you give your younger self? Um, just to take care of myself, you know, there were definitely times when I was younger, when I let other people's opinions shape mine. I, you know, listened too much to to other people's thoughts and values and tried to adopt them as my own when they really weren't. Um, and it didn't feel right at the time, but I tried to do it anyways. So just to, to take care of myself, to value my opinions and thoughts and, and to, to trust that I know what is good and right for myself, um, you know, and not saying that I should never listen to anyone ever, but don't just let someone else make you feel a certain way or make you feel like your opinions are not valid. And that's one of the biggest things for me, just, you know, looking back, at, there's so many times where I'm like, why, why would you have ever thought that that was the right thing for you? Yeah. It's you know, it, it seems so... <laughs> Right, right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. But during, mm-hmm. it's just not, and that's when we are caught yeah, up. And, no, and oftentimes, not. you think about that. Those times when we've not made the best decisions personally and professionally are usually times we're maxed mm-hmm. out. We're overworked. We haven't been taking yeah, care of ourselves. Exactly. You know, don't you think? I mean, we've gotten mm-hmm. out of balance because care of yourself is what you're talking about in in regard to yeah. you know the rest, exercise, you know feeling good in your body, feeling good about mm-hmm. who you are in your body, walking into a room. I mean, all of that, if we're not feeling that way, the decisions we're making are hindered a bit because we're making mm-hmm. those decisions from a less than full place, you know, yeah. less than the best of who we are place. And so I, I love that you shared that because I bet everybody can relate to that. I certainly can. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the more I take care of myself, the more I can make yeah. better decisions and be more helpful to others and to more. I yeah. can do more. Mm-hmm. You know? For sure. Love that. 
So if you could have a billboard anywhere, what would it be and what would it say? I think my billboard would just say, be kind. Aw, I love that. I think that people need to be kinder to themselves. I think people need to be kinder to others around them. I think that that makes so much more of an impact than we realize. Um, You know, just being nice can really just change someone's day and can you make that part of your life it can have a huge impact in, in really positive ways. Mm-hmm. Love that. Perfect billboard. They should have those everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> yeah. so. Being nice and you're doing that and your busy life with, you know, not only your image consulting, but your other work that you do, plus the way you help military veterans. Yeah. You know, don't even get me started talking about that because I will talk about that nonstop. I, I really love working with veterans and helping them with their transition. I just meet so many incredible young people that have, you know, given up, you know, four, six, ten, twenty years of their lives to serve our country. And I want to make sure that when they get out, they have all of the tools that they need in order to be successful in civilian life the way that they were in their military life. So that's all I'm going to say about that, because if not, I will just talk about it for forever. That's another conversation, but um, right, that's a whole other. Right there with you, right there with you. You know, give there, give to our country. We need to give back, and you're doing it mm-hmm. in way. So kudos to you for that. You're being Thank kind you. in, on many fronts, my dear. Many oh well, I appreciate it. That that's my my life goal is to just be as nice as I can and help as many people as possible. Yeah, that's nice. And you know, you're you're meeting people where they're vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. image. There's and nothing more. Vulnerable, oh, yeah. our image and oh. being opening to somebody and saying, well, I don't really feel very good about how I look. Yeah, so, yeah. I really try to make sure that people are comfortable with me and they, they're comfortable enough to, to, to trust me and, and to, to open up to me in that way. So uh, um, yeah. it, it's definite work, and, and it's, but it's so rewarding. Yeah, that's cool. Until you're passionate about it. And uh, <laughs> let's, let's close with one last bit of wisdom, and you can do more than one if you want, but yeah. last kind of like takeaway from our discussion today. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they, people could take away one thing, what would it be? I mean, I, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but take care of yourself, um, you know, and then as, as leaders and as just people in the world, support and listen those around you. Taking care of your people is the best way to get good work products. You know, it's the best way to be successful is to take care of them, make sure that their needs are met, make sure that they're fulfilled, make sure that they're challenged. You know, don't let people get complacent. Don't let people just say, I'm going to coast from now on. Expect more from them and expect more from yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that will, will help everyone be better and lift everyone up. I love that. Expect more from them and it's expect more from yourself. Oh, yeah. You can't. Don't ask more of other people if you're not willing to put the work in yourself. Perfect. So well said. So what's the best way for people to reach you? I'll have it in the show notes at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style. But let's Mm -hmm. verbalize it here. Yeah, they can go to my website, which is theelevatedimage.com. And they can reach out to me via email at Anna at the Elevated Image. Um, I'm also pretty active on LinkedIn, so you can find me there. And I look forward to hearing from anyone who has any style questions. Awesome. Okay, so I'll make sure your LinkedIn link 
is on the show notes as well as the contact information on your website. Yeah. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so Anna. much, Susie. I appreciate you having me on. So a good interview with Anna. And if you felt like some of what she was talking about, you're somebody who maybe is feeling overworked, showing up, looking fatigued. Now you're more aware, hopefully, that, that you're sending a message that you might not be intending to send. I like what she shared about color, grooming, fit, staying relevant. I thought it was interesting when she said that, you know, some women are wearing clothes that are older and, you know, they're aging into their clothes. I thought that was interesting. So that's something that I focus on a bit. And I mentioned it in both interviews around trying to stay relevant. I use a clothing line called Cabby, C-A-B-I, and I have a Cabby stylist. And uh, she helps me pick out outfits and I go two times a year and um, also helps me with my closet and throw stuff out and just takes all the tension out of clothing and showing up for meetings or if I'm speaking or in front of a large group. I just I want that to be a non-thought. And uh, if you're interested in any of the cabbie stuff, I can put a link to that in the show notes, too. But that has helped me quite a lot in feeling more comfortable in this area since it's not my not my strength and she mentioned a video by Amy Cuddy we'll have a, a link to that in the show notes pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style Amy Cuddy's video is very interesting because it talks about power pose and body language and if you've ever been curious about body language um, she does a awesome TED talk on that. So I liked also her reminder of take care of yourself. And as that being her last bit of advice is really take care of yourself. You're busy. You're being called upon in so many areas and you're influencing a lot of lives. Most of all, you got to influence and take care of your own life first. And I just wanted to mention one other little tool that I have found. There's an app on the iPhone, and I assume it's available on Android as well, and it's called Productive, and it's free. And if you're trying to do a little bit better job of putting yourself first and you know making sure that your, your cup is full before you're trying to fill everybody else's cup, look at that app and maybe pick three things that you know that you'd like to be doing more of that in your busy day seem to get forgotten. And so I'll give you an example. On the productive app, I get a reminder every morning that I have some habits that needed to be tended to that day. And what I started with was I started with my 15 minutes of tune-in time every day. I meditate, but I always advocate for that. So 15 minutes of quiet time. It could be reflection, prayer, whatever. My other thing is making sure I'm drinking uh, in water ounces, half my weight in water every day. So that was a habit I wanted to make sure I stayed on. When I get busy, that can drop as well as the quiet time. And then when I get busy, sometimes I don't get enough activity. So I wanted to make sure I do 30 minutes a day of something physical. Some days it's a hard workout and it might be longer than 30 minutes. And some days it's just going up and down the stairs or it's walking my dogs, but something physical every day for a minimum of 30. So I set up the app to remind me of that every day. And it's interesting to try to hold yourself to that because you don't realize how busy you get, especially if you love your work and you're in demand. It's easy to put that caretaking of self, your business owner, you're the ex- executive. It's easy to put everybody else's needs first, but it is not productive to do that. 
So what I have found is with the productive app, you get the reminder in the morning that, hey, you need to do these things. So I'm, you know, it's forcing me to focus on it and put it in my calendar. And then every time you complete it, you get a little band going of time, you know, so, okay, oh, I've done eight days straight of meditating. I've done 15 days straight of doing 30 minutes of exercise minimum. Uh, so and then I started adding things. So then I decided to add a core, a core exercise. So I'm, you know, doing plank, a, a one minute plank every day. And then I added something else. But you start just with a couple of things. And um, it's amazing. It's that 1% a day and in 70 days, you're twice improved. We always don't always need much of an overhaul. We just need to do some incremental things, more of incremental things. And if you do a little bit every day, small efforts add up. And I, it's amazing how now 15 minutes of quiet time for me is normal. I've not let that slip again like I have let slip in the past. Exercise every day. I'm just finding the time. You know, Nobody else is going to take care of you. Um, so necessarily, they're not going to take care of you to make sure you do those things. But that productive app, especially since it's free and it's on your phone, you can't miss it. Uh, very helpful. So I hope that you are taking care of yourself. If you have suggestions or ideas or insights about what we talked about today, you can reach out to me, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Suzy, S-U-Z-I-E. You can also look at our Twitter page at Wake Up Eager and on Facebook at Wake Up Eager. I'm on LinkedIn at Suzy Price. And please send me any suggestions or topics you want to hear more about. And um, don't forget that we have an app for the podcast. And don't forget where our show notes are, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash style. That's for this episode. Our next episode is on character and substance, and it's influencing how others view how well you build trust and how they see you, whether they see you as credible. And so those are other parts of this executive presence that we're talking about. So we'll see you on the next round. Take care of yourself and have a great day. All the best. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 